Unfortunately, Shelly Finkel has decided to ruin Christmas for millions of heavyweight boxing fans, specifically Tyson Fury fans, because Tyson Fury has announced on his Twitter page that he will not be fighting until 2021. So that date of December 5th, where he was looking to get out against somebody like Ajit Kabayel, has now been scrapped. And I can only imagine that it's because of the ongoing legal dispute behind the scenes between Team Fury and Team Wilder with regards to who Tyson Fury is going to fight next. When Shelly Finkel is not flying around at night, beaming people up out of their beds into his spaceship where he can probe them with various medical instruments, when he's not doing that, he is trying to squeeze every dollar out of Deontay Wilder's career that he possibly can, in my opinion. Because it's my view that Deontay Wilder don't really want this trilogy fight with Tyson Fury, at least not right now. Because this is a guy who is normally very vocal, normally very active on social media, and he went missing after that humiliating defeat he suffered at the hands of the Gypsy King earlier on this year. Went missing for several months, despite the fact that Tyson Fury was calling him out in several videos, asking him what's going on with his trilogy fight. Radio silence from Deontay. Deontay allowed the clock to get run down to the last second before he popped his head up after hearing Tyson Fury was going to move on and fight somebody else, he popped his head up to save face and said, where you at, Tyson? I'll fight you. You're a cheat. Where was he weeks earlier when Tyson Fury was calling him out? Why did he let the clock get run down to the last second before even responding? In my view, Deontay don't want it, but his team do want it. My best guess is that Deontay was telling his team that he was injured. And that's how he was able to get them to uh, lay off him a little bit in terms of pressuring him to take the trilogy fight. That's my best guess. This is why there were the rumors about Deontay being injured flying around. Because I think Deontay is the one who is trying to convince his own team that he was injured. Because he's not the kind of guy who's going to tell his own team, I don't feel ready for this trilogy fight. He's got far too big an ego for that. So he's going to tell them, oh yeah, I want it, I want it but I'm injured, so I can't do it right now. <laughs> Hoping that the contract gets expired and Tyson Fury can move on. It's all about saving face for Deontay, in my view. So there you have it. I was looking forward to seeing Tyson Fury out later on this year. Look, if Deontay and his team were on the same page and they weren't messing about and singing from different hymn sheets and the Tyson Fury was signed and sealed, the Tyson Fury trilogy fight was signed and sealed for December, I wouldn't have any issue with it. The issue is that they're not on the same hymn sheet, in my opinion. They're trying to go in two different directions. And that has kept Tyson Fury out the ring. Unnecessarily. Until 2021. Very, very disappointing. Will Deontay be able to repair his ego, his confidence, etc.? To face Tyson Fury maybe in February, back end of February, maybe March next year. I hope so. I hope this legal dispute gets sorted out long before then. Because it's all about Tyson Fury being able to move on with his career. That's what it's about. Whether he faces Takam, Caballero or Wilder in February, hopefully he fights one of them so he can get on with things. It's the being kept out of the ring and being stalled and stagnated that really displeases me. And that is down to Team Wilder. That is down to the fact that in my view, 
they're not on the same page. So Mr. Shelley Finkel has decided to ruin Christmas. He's taken a leaf out of, well, what can I call him? He's taken a leaf out of BJ's book. <laughs> yeah, BJ. Actually, his real initials are AJ. And I'm not talking about Anthony Joshua. I'm talking about somebody else. Somebody else whose real initial, initials are AJ. In fact, more specifically, his initials are ABJ. That guy is also hell-bent on ruining Christmas. <laughs> not that he's going to succeed necessarily, but he's hell-bent on ruining Christmas for millions of people. The same way that Shelley Finkel of X-Files fame is also hell-bent on ruining Christmas for millions of heavyweight boxing fans. So let's see what happens here. There's apparently a judge arbitrating the situation between Team Fury and Team Wilder. Hopefully it can be resolved sooner rather than later. Tyson Fury recently said that he's never going to fight Deontay Wilder again because of the things that Wilder has said about him. And I don't blame him for feeling that way. But whatever the case may be, whether it's Wilder or whether it's somebody else next, I just hope he can get a definite date for himself to get out and move on with his career. If it's Wilder, if it's Takam, if it's Caballel, or maybe moving straight into the AJ fight, whatever the case may be, let's just get Tyson Fury back in the ring. As far as Deontay Wilder and his people, I get it. Finkel wants a cash out. Dees wants a cash out. Al Heyman, etc. And Deontay, he's all types of messed up right now. He's trying to deal with the demons in his subconscious. He's trying to deal with those demons by not dealing with them. And that's not going to make it better. You're not going to come up with all these ridiculous excuses to try and paper over the cracks. That's not going to work. You'll fall apart when you get in the ring if that's your psychological approach. If you're not addressing the technical and tactical problems that you have as a fighter and thinking it's all down to loaded gloves and dodgy referees and, uh, you know, double agent cornermen and all this kind of nonsense. That's not going to help you in a trilogy fight with Tyson Fury. If, if Deontay, or more specifically, in my view, Deontay's team, force Tyson Fury and Wilder to get back in the ring with each other in Tyson Fury's next fight, Tyson Fury is going to have the bit between his teeth. He is going to want to punish Deontay even worse than last time. <laughs> and Deontay being psychologically compromised at this point, he's even more vulnerable to a terrible beating. Only this time, he doesn't have anyone in his corner who actually cares about his welfare like Mark Breland. In Deontay's infinite wisdom, he decided to get rid of that guy. So let's hope there's a referee, be it the ref they had last time or somebody else, who if Deontay Wilder is in serious trouble again, he'll step in and do what Mark Breland did and stop the fight. Because as much as Deontay Wilder is a very silly human being, I don't want to see him get seriously hurt in the ring. I don't want to see any fighter get seriously hurt in the ring. So anyway, let me know what you guys think in the comments below about the latest developments with regards to Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. If you'd like to access all my boxing content advert-free and enjoy the convenience of listening via a podcast app with the option to download in high-quality MP3, then consider joining me on Patreon. In addition to the aforementioned perks, 
You'll also gain access to exclusive weekly live stream Q&A sessions and hangouts, as well as uncensored, no-holds-barred uploads, which are too blue for YouTube. This includes my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. Just head on over to my Patreon page and select the tier called Hatman Boxing Extra. There's no contract, there's no commitment, it's only £2.50 a month and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of hardcore boxing enthusiasts by signing up with me here on Patreon today. Tyson, very interesting. Early this morning, Deontay Wilder tweeted this. Hey, Tyson, don't worry about me. I'm fine, blessed. The only thing I want from you is for you to honour your agreement and fight me. I gave you two shots when I didn't have to and it changed your life. Now it's time for you to be a man and give me a shot as you agreed. Tyson, does that surprise you he's tweeted that? Has he got a problem? You know, after seeing all his excuses lately, and I, he's still holding on to the feelings of these malice feelings and, and he's still of the opinion of like people have cheated him, his trainers cheated him, I've had weights in me gloves, yeah. his costume was too too heavy, he had a bicep injury. I I I've run out of ideas of what other excuses a man could make in the defeat in boxing. And um, and to keep coming out with these ludicrous accusations, you know, I, I'm I was quite concerned, I still am for his mental well-being, you know. First of all, he doesn't speak or say anything for eight months. Um, on, on Instagram or anywhere. And all, all of a sudden, he's coming out of all this, this stuff like, oh, he, he, he's cheated, he's done this, he's done that. Uh, I don't know who's, who's advising him or who, who, who's around him, but it, he really needs to, in my opinion, he needs to uh, needs to seek a bit of help himself because to keep going on like he's going on, he's unsportsmanlike, and it's a sure sign of mental health problems. Look, nobody wants to get beat, and especially after a 12-year unbeaten streak. But there has to be a point, a certain amount of time where you let a defeat go. You know, at the end of the day in sports, teams lose, boxers lose. Everyone's going to lose a fight now and again. Yeah. Um, and it's a sporting contest. And if it can't be a sporting contest, if it's more than a sporting contest here, and it, you're going to take it to your grave with you, all these hatred and, and bad feelings, then I don't think you should be doing it. But, you know, Wilders now, after I come out yesterday and said, look, I'm concerned for his mental well-being, I'm only a call away. Maybe he saw that and he, he put that tweet out. I was going yeah. to say to you, Tyson, you, you spoke about that. Some of his comments haven't been ideal when he lost the fight. At the same time, the flip side of the coin, I'm reading you've got a lot of respect for Joshua, obviously as a fighter and as a man, but the way he handled his yeah. defeat to Ruiz was class, wasn't it? Very class. You know, listen, we're rivals. We, we have been for a long time, but I've got to speak truthfully and honestly. Um, you're a world heavyweight champion. You take a loss. You know, he handled it like a man. He, he handled it very sportsmanlike. He, he, he took it within his stride. And he, he knew he'd made a mistake. And, and that was it. He didn't say why. He didn't make a million excuses. There was no excuses. I didn't hear any excuses from him himself at all. None. Yeah. He just said, well done. Congratulations. I'll see you next time. And, you know, I would hope that I I, I could uh, conduct myself like that as well if, if that happened to me. And, well, you know, we've seen it so many times over the years with the likes of, like, Wilder's excuses and David A's excuses. And everybody who loses a fight, for whatever reason, they always come out and say something like, ah, oh, I had a bad foot or I had a bad elbow or had a shoulder operation or something. And I just think, you know what, well, if he was going into a big fight with these injuries... Either don't take the fight, have it postponed until you get well again, or if you are going to go in and take it, don't mention it afterwards. 
don't try and take somebody else's glory away from the, their victory. Mm. And, you know, and I got to take my hat off to AJ. He, he didn't. He, he just said, look, I got beat by the better man on the night. Fair play. Congratulations. And everyone's was, obviously obsessing. Every, everyone's obsessed with that fight, though. And obviously that, that's the fight we want to see. You, you're yeah. going to knock him out. You won't respect him when you walk in the ring next year against him, probably, will you? You know, you have to respect every, every man that gets in between the boxing ropes uh, and, and boxes me as an opponent or whatever they are, then I have to respect them utmost. Sometimes it might not seem that I do because of my, the way I, I act and the way I the way it's just so relaxed for me. And it's not like, it's just like, oh, I can beat that person. I can beat that person. Um, but, you know, I respect everybody that gets in the boxing ring because I know they're all dangerous. All heavyweights are very, very dangerous. Um, but when we get in there, whenever it may be, we've both got to get through our upcoming fights. Um, and you will know heavyweight boxing is, is not a given. Anything can happen at this level as well, especially sure. when you're fighting young and hungry fighters who have another opportunity to become a world champion. you got to fight out your skin. And these guys, like like um, the opponents that, that pool Evan, that he's been waiting for a world title shot for the last five years since he lost to Vladimir. So it, it's going to be a tough fight for him. He's going to fight out of his skin. He knows it's his big opportunity. And, and as a challenger, they don't come along that often and you've got to seize the moment. So yeah. every time you step into the ring with these opponents, you've got to be on your double A game because I know they're going to be 10 times better than they were for the last fight because it's their big shot at glory. So providing we both come through our next fights, then I would like to think that this fight, me and Joshua, will finally get made years later um, when we're both on top of our careers, both world heavyweight champions. And I'd like to think it can happen. It can happen there uh, twice next year, hopefully. But we'll twice, see what happens. Well. Tyson, uh, obviously there's Caballel, unbeaten. That's the next one then. Everyone talks about AJ. Where does Usic come into this? Is he still way off Tyson in your mind? Uh, Usyk, you know, he's a good boxer. We saw him box the night against uh, Chisora. Um, but, you know, he's not what he was at cruiserweight, a heavyweight. I think the gap is just too big. From being a man 14 stone to be to being a man 15 and a half, whatever he is now, yeah, that extra yeah. stone and a half has really made a big difference on him because well, Del Boy's a good friend of mine. We've become very close and we speak to each other all the time. But Del's at the end of his career at 38-year-old. Um, yeah. He's had a lot of hard fights. Um, and if this Usek guy was going to be the next best thing since sliced bread, he shouldn't be having a 50-50 fight with Derek Chisora even at this late stage of his fighting. To be honest with you, um, I thought that Chisora did enough to get a draw. And that's just me scoring the fight wrong round by one round. And I thought Chisora bossed and bullied the fight. But some people had Usek nicking it by a round or two. I believe that Usek's manager and um, his advisor had a draw. A lot of people had it close. And you know, if you're going to be the next thing, best thing since Muhammad Ali, how do you get a draw with Derek Chisora at the end of Derek's uh, uh, career? Mm. Tyson, always a pleasure. I wish we'd another half an hour or uh, so, but there'll be uh, hopefully future time uh, building up to the big, big fight with Caballel. Um, I'm going to read the book, Fantastic, The Furious Method, out today. Tyson, great to hear you in great shape again. Mentally sharp as a pin. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Very much, guys, and thanks for everyone for listening, and I'll see you all soon. Take it easy. God bless. Brilliant.
This is Andy Purrell for Boxing Social in association with Betfred, and I'm delighted to be joined by Cash Farouk over Zoom. Cash, first and foremost, how are you doing? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Everything's all right. You know, I mean, how you been all right? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Uh, I appreciate you giving up some time only a couple of days after you last fought. Um, we can see yeah. like, a scar or two there. Come on, I say a scar, just a few bruises, which will heal back up in the coming. Yeah, and I've got one more forehead, my. Uh, so, I. But yeah, um, obviously victorious in your your first matchroom fight. How did you feel to first and foremost actually get over the line and get into the ring for matchroom for the first time? No, I was happy to be out, you know, and uh, boxing. Obviously, it's been over a year now since I've last boxed, and it's good to get ten rounds and under my belt. And uh, I thought I performed good, and yeah, it's just overall I'm happy to be out in boxing and getting a good performance, and I can pick up a, a new title as well. So yeah. Cash, you impressed a lot of people with your performance this past weekend. A lot of people kind of singing your praises. Um, when that does happen and when you see comments like that, do you read anything into it? Yeah, of course I do. It's, you know, it's obviously nice and it's a nice, obviously it's nice to obviously it's confidence as well, you know, you gain from and people appreciate your boxing skills. So I, it's nice for me, you know, but yeah, I just take it in my stride that I'm going along and, uh, you know, just obviously next fight, I want to improve and improve and look better every time. So, Yes, it's good, you know, it's more motivation for me every time I'm having fights, you know, so yeah. We'll come on to what's next in a, in a little bit, but just to kind of stick to this past weekend, defeating Angel Aviles, um, how would you assess your performance on a personal level? Yeah, I thought I thought done really good after being a year out, and, uh, you know, obviously I would have loved to get a knockout battle, so that boy was going to budge, you know, <laughs> and the boy was just there all night, and, uh, you know, I was saying, uh, yeah, he was... I would, I would say it's a good overall performance and I'll go the 10 rounds, which is the main thing. So it's more experience in the bag for me. How did you find the week itself being kind of locked into a bubble with the rest of the show and the, the producers and Sky and what have you? How did you find kind of the entire experience of not being able to go out and about? Obviously, I done it last time as well. So it's my second second time I've done it. And uh, yeah, sorry, I don't really enjoy it. Obviously, after the first the first day is not that great because you're obviously... Your room went for your test uh, test results, so you really, you don't really enjoy that part. And obviously, once you're out, you can do a few things and that. But I think after a few days, you start getting really you start getting cabin fever and that. So yeah, sorry, you're there to do a job, and that's it to be honest. And uh, once obviously you're when you just want to get out and get home, yeah. How did you find boxing behind closed doors, Cash? It's just uh, it's not to me. It's just not a big problem, you know. I mean, it's once you're in the ring, you're in the ring, and your mind's on the job, but. It just depends how your mentality is like, you know. I mean, you need you need you need to be obviously mentally ready for be ready for. And uh, sorry, I wouldn't say it's any different boxing from a crowd. Obviously, if there's a crowd there, obviously they'll cheer you on. You land a punch, or uh, you know, I mean, if you get your heart or anything like that. So it's not not any different for me, you know. We know after the fight, um, your old friend Lee McGregor came out yeah. and said that after he fights for the European title, he'd love to get that rematch on. Is that kind of in your immediate plans as well, or do you think you'll have one more whilst Lee fights for the European, or how, how do you see it kind of playing out? To be honest, I think he's having his fight with uh, Kim Gafari. I don't know where that is. It's been rescheduled, so I don't know when I'm going to be out. I'll leave my cut heel up, and, uh, you know, if he's next, then he's next. You know, I'm not really, I'm not, my mind's not set on something, whatever it is. I don't know whether I'm going to have another fight. I need to have a manager and a uh, promoter. You know, obviously, it'd be a great... I know I know that fight will happen, but I don't know when. You know, but at the moment, I'm not really thinking about who I'm boxing next. You know, I'm just, just resting up at the moment. 
I'm sure you probably, to an extent, fed up of people asking you about Lee at this stage now, um, given the time that's happened between when you first fought and to the potential of a second bout. But just kind of because of what happened in the first fight, is there, is there kind of a, a sense of kind of frustration that you really want to kind of take out with him in the ring? No, yeah, I'm, I'm sick of people obviously hearing his name, you know what I mean? And don't get me wrong, it's a fight, obviously, it's more, obviously, for uh, what do you call it, um, for the next fight, it's be bigger, but, you know, if I can only happen if you keep winning and uh, if he picks up the European talent, if I keep winning, that's the only way it's going to, obviously, it'll be a big fight like that, you know, and, uh, but you, obviously, you get sick of keeping him McGregor, 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 he keeps, he probably, he's probably sick of hearing my name as well, Farouk all the time as well, so, but, if, for me, obviously, for me, I'm no, I'm not focused on the moment of the fight. You know, once obviously once we can sit down and we can start all right, we can the fight once once it starts again, obviously talked about like proper sit down promoters, then we can sit down and make the fight. You know, I mean then I can really focus on by the moment he's got his title fight, he needs to focus on that, to be honest, more than me, you know. Cash away from Lee. Um what is kind of the plan that you've spoken to Matchroom with and with your your team with? I think uh, Eddie probably wants me. I think he wants me uh, to give me another fight. I don't know when. Obviously, I need like my cut, uh, cut heel up, and uh, and uh, and after that, then obviously, I think he, that's what he. That's his plan. He wants to give me the McGregor rematch, you know. So, but my job is only just to train and uh, see and uh, just train hard and see who's in front of me, and that's all I got to do is keep winning, you know. But at the at the moment, obviously, I need. I don't know when I'm out because I need. I need like, this cut heel up. Quite a small neck under my eye. We saw a, a new name call you out uh, on Saturday yeah. night as well in Mark Leach. Is that a fight mm. you'd be interested in? Yeah, any fight. Like I said, you know, I'm not gonna call anybody out. If he's next, he's next. You know, I'm not. I'm not too focused on one person. You know, if he's next, and that's that's him. Then, you know, like I said, I don't know. I don't really call people out or anything like that. You know, in fine and fine terms. You know, you know, until the fight's made, then I, that's what I focus on. But I take a fire time, and that's that's the way things are for me. Cash, what pleased you the most yourself with regards to your performance this past weekend? You know, I think it was just... Uh, sorry, just more. Sorry, sorry, it's my life now. You know, no, I've just, what do you call that? George has gone be, been in there and obviously, what do you call that? Showcasing my skills everything. And uh, and then I said, you know what I mean? Because I've been out for a year and uh, obviously the public get to see my... Obviously, see me as well for the first time, the new audience and... You know, obviously, I got good rep- uh, response off of social media. So, yeah, it was great. I was happy overall, you know. Cash, I'm going to leave the final words yourself before I let you shoot off. Uh, for everybody who would have tuned in and watched from home, who couldn't be there to support you, what would you like to say to them? You know, I've just hopefully crowds get back uh, back next year as well and we can obviously just come support me. But I want to thank everybody, especially social media, for wishing me good messages and that, you know, obviously with other fans, you know what I mean? Watching and that it won't be they won't be cash rook. So I want to thank every one of them for the kind messages. Uh, I'm reading every one of them and hopefully I can apply back to more more most of them I can't, you know. So thanks to my sponsors as well. Without them there's there's no me. So yeah, thanks thanks to everybody. Cash, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you. Stay safe and I'll catch up with you again soon. Thank you for your time and thank you for speaking to Boxing Social. Right, take care and bye bye.
Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt. This is Umar Ahmed for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. Sounds a, a little bit strange. I'm joined by Bradley Skeet. To be honest, I didn't think I'd be uh, saying this for a while. Maybe if you came back to boxing in, in a different role, whatever, because you've been out of the sport for, what, now two years. But uh, you've decided yeah. to make a, a comeback, Brad. Why? Yeah. Do you know what, Umar? I've never, I, like, obviously, out of my last three fights, I lost two of them. My last one, like, obviously... Didn't go too well, um, getting stopped by by someone who shouldn't like sh- shouldn't be lacing my boots. Do you know what I mean? But things happen in boxing. It's just one of them, um, and I just needed obviously to just have some time off and have a rest and think what I was going to do. But in that time, I never like said I was retired or anything. I just obviously took a rest, and obviously the time went on, and people would just assumed that I'd, I'd retired. Obviously, started the PT in. And then, um, yeah, like everyone just obviously thought that's the route I was going to go down. But obviously, I've been in the gym PT and I always had that little buzz for boxing. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I didn't say I was retired. And um, how, how it all come about, um, Naz's, Naz, Naz's boys come to the gym with Naz because I've been training a little Lightning Junior up in the gym. And uh, they was like, oh, come down to Sheffield. Like, like come down there, you'd love the gym and obviously I knew obviously boxing for years now, I knew about the Ingle gym. Um spoke spoke to uh, Brendan a few times, funnily enough, uh at a few uh, boxers writers, um a kid growing up obviously I love Naz Naz my old my idol. Um so obviously I knew knew about the gym and everything. But yeah then when then Naz and, and Adam and Sammy come down to the gym, we went we come up here for a week and obviously I come with lightning. Um, done a bit with him and then I've done a bit myself up here and really enjoyed it and then um, I started to chat with Dom and then he was basically saying like I said like what, what's, what's, what's the plans what are you doing and then being in the gym I just I've just felt a buzz and just felt like I wanted to get back to boxing and I wanted to, wanted to actually get back to training and I just ch- had a chat with him and he said he, I was more than welcome to come up and, and train and yeah here I am today sitting in Billy Joe's house <laughs> You've got a lot of properties up in Sheffield. Uh, Bradley, how long have you spent now at the Ingle Gym? Um, this is my probably fifth week up here now. I had I had the week up here just coming up here with Lightning. Then we had a week off because Liam and Willie was fighting. So that was their fight week. So And then I come back and then that's when we moved in. Um, so just beginning of October was the start of October. So, yeah. So in them five weeks, have you made your mind up in terms of you will be back in a ring next year? Or is this 100%. just a feeling that process? Oh, you made your mind up, yeah? 100%. Yeah, I've lost, I've lost a, a stone in weight. I come up here, like, knuckled down, got back on it straight away. Like, just got like, straight back in the deep end, straight back to training, been grafting, been, been living a life. Obviously, it's a big sacrifice for me moving away. Um, giving up work, everything. Um, so I'm up here Monday to Friday. And uh, yeah, I'm 100% going to 
coming back. I'll be back in the new year, um, early new year, hopefully. And uh, yeah, ready to ready to go. I, I feel fresh. I've had a good rest. Um, I've had longer than than what I should have had off. But listen, I feel like it's done me a favour. I feel like it's done me good. I feel I feel a million dollars. Um, I'm in the gym. I'm buzzing again. I'm enjoying my training. Um, yeah, and it just feels really good to be back. What about promotion as well? What's going to happen there, Bradley? I'm uh, free at the minute. Um, to be honest, um, obviously my contract with Queensbury and Frank has expired and no management at the minute. So that'd be the next step to obviously sort out where what I'll be doing promotionally and what, what management and that. But for now, I think just, just grafting in the gym and, and carrying on with what I'm doing is, is the main, main thing. Have you sparred much in the English gym yet? Yeah, sparred, sparred from the first day I come. They do a lot of body sparring. Mm. So... I've, I've sparred from the first day, day, day I come here. I've been, been doing a lot of rounds, um, mixing everyone's spars, everyone been mixing in um, with everyone and, and, and really enjoying it. It was weird because body sparring is, I've not really done. It's always done open sparring. So, uh, yeah, that was an eye opener because obviously you're in your full sparring kit, like head gun, gum shield, everything, or protector, everything on. And, and literally, it's it's... It's like an open spot, but obviously not hitting to the head. So, uh, yeah, that at the first week, I'll come home all lumps and bumps and bruises everywhere over my body. But that took some getting used to. But, yeah, re really enjoying it. Really enjoying it. Was there any period uh, in that two-year gap where you thought, yeah, I will come back? Like, were you... Were you did, it have it in, did you have it in your mind that you will come back one day, just not sure when? Yeah, 100%. I'd never, I never thought about retiring. I always wanted to get back. To be honest with you, after my last fight, I just, I needed, I needed some time off. I needed a, a, not a rest, but I just needed some time off. Like, um, and I, I was always going to have some time off anyway. Uh, and then it just, one thing led to the other. Just the time was just going, going, going. And then before I knew it, a year had gone past. And then, we started the new year and then obviously COVID come and then that put like me back a, a lot. So really this year I wrote off anyway because with the, with the COVID and everything, I know boxing has been going on, but just where I was at, I just, I just, um, yeah, just, it's just, it's, I, I should have been back sooner, but things happen for a reason, I believe. Hmm. And with Dominic Ingle now in your corner, where do you think, you can go and what do you think you can still achieve, Brad? Um, I, I think obviously Dom's a world-class trainer. He, he's proven he's been there and done it. He's been boxing, been round boxing all his life. Obviously with his dad Brendan, um, he, he's he's got he's got a list of champions and world champions under his belt. Um, I'm 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 just going to be realistic. I, I'm come I'm going to come back and. I won't be doing welterweight no more. I'm going to come back at 154. So there's there's some great domestic fights out there, and obviously I, I I'm the king of the welterweights. I'm still the king of the welterweights. I I own the British title outright. No one's done it since me. So I've, I'm domestically, and I know I'm the best there. Um, but obviously I believe having this time off and coming back, it's a new fresh start. New, it's all fresh from it's all new beginning. It's a fresh start, as in I've got Dom now. I'm obviously not at iBox no more with Al Smith and Eddie Lamb. So um, it's a new fresh start. And, and going into a new weight division, it'll be a new 
fresh start for me. So I'll be looking to come back domestically and then see what I can do there. And I'd love my goal, next goal would be to win that European title. I was unsuccessful at World Week, so I'd love to challenge for it. I believe I, I, I'm, I'm more than capable of being a European champion. Um, so that would be my goal, my my future goal to win a European title. And after that, who knows? I can I can go on and keep keep winning and, and doing well. Who knows? Do you know what I mean? I'll get you. I'll get you, Brad. Well, listen, it's good to see you back in the sport. Hopefully, see you in the ring early part of next year. Best of luck um, for the rest of the, the last two months of the year with uh, Mr. Dominic Ingle. And uh, yeah, as I said, good to see you back in the sport. Thanks, man. Thanks so much. Cheers, bro. Thanks. For- Thanks for having me on. Thanks for talking to me. Top man, Bradley. Best of luck. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt. Danny Flexen here for Seconds Out. Delighted to be joined by unbeaten heavyweight Fabio Wardley. Fabio, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. How's things, mate? How are we? Very good, thank you. Um, fight week, again. It doesn't seem like that long ago you were out in fight camp uh, against Simon mm. Lilly. Uh, not heard much from him since. Not sure if he's carrying on with the sport <laughs> after uh, losing to you. But you don't need to worry about that. It's onwards and upwards. Um, Richard mm. Larty, is that still in the books? Yeah. All sorted, all done, all confirmed. Yeah, it's it's a good question nowadays with things going on that one minute fights are on, the next minute they're off. But yeah, Richard's all signed, sealed and sorted. So yeah, I'm just I'm just happy to finally have someone kind of nailed down, to be honest. Well, yeah, I think every time Lighty's come over previously, there's always been a bit of doubt in the fight week whether it was going to take place or not. But he's always made it. So I don't think mm. there's any, any serious um, concerns there or anything, but... When it was first put to you to fight him, what what was your what were your initial thoughts? Because you must have seen him previously against Gorman and against Dubois. Did you think it was a good measuring stick? Did you think it was going to be hard to look good compared to Dubois? Because Dubois got him out quite early. What, what did you think? Uh, yeah, it, it's more so. It has nothing to do with them, really. It's to do with me. He's a good he's a good measuring stick for me to find out where I am in terms of my level, what I can achieve, what I can do and just where I am at, at this point in my career. What he's done with how he's fared against kind of your Nathan Gorman's, your Daniel Dubois is, is it near on irrelevant to me because like my, my career, my path, my journey and the way and where I came from in terms of like, it's different to theirs. So like I'm taking this on my what? This 10th fight, maybe? Well, yeah, this would be my 10th. <clears throat> like, Nathan and Daniel were, were well far ahead of me when they when they took this fight. And in terms of that as well, they, they've got the background of, of their GB squad and amateur days and stuff, which is none of that I have. So the, the comparisons are obviously going to come, that much is given. But to me, it doesn't matter. It's about, it's about me and how well I perform on the night and if I'm happy with my performance. Is there a positive side to it as well, though, in that... He's known for being durable. He's known for coming to fight. These are good things that people can look at. I mean, only recently we saw him against Gorman. He went the distance. That, that's a feather in his cap, I guess. 
yeah, like he's got that recognition at least to be known to be durable and that you can yeah. get rounds out of him and that he's not just he's not turned up turned up at any point and just fell over for the for the payday kind of thing and, and walked off with it. He he does always turn up to fight and he always turns up to win, which is brilliant and I need that. So this is why I felt he was the ideal opponent for, for this stage of my career. Without giving away too much of the game plan or any of the game plan, he's quite wild, he's quite raw at times. Is it going to be a case of sticking to your boxing, using your brain in there? Yeah, but I think that much is obvious. Yeah. That like that much is obvious given with his style. The, the easiest way to kind of combat that style is to stick to your, your, your baseline boxing and, and stick to your jab and keep everything nice and floating and on the move. Like, the best moments you've seen of him are where you engage with him and, and meet him in that kind of mid-range and, and go kind of toe-to-toe with him. That's that's the best opportunity he has to get at you. And so you just... But that much is obvious, like we've said. So you all you need to do is just kind of stay away from those moments and pick your own. What have you learned from being in fight camp previously in terms of the whole process with the pandemic, going into the bubble, fighting with no fans as well? What have you learned from the first time round that will help you this time? Um, a bunch of things, really. It's not, there's no one thing in particular. I think because fight camp itself was so new and such a fresh idea and something that not only the boxers, but just everyone around had never experienced before. It was new for everyone, especially with me and the one I was on as well, because it was fight camp week one. It was the first one of them all of anything of ever. So it was, it was a brand new experience for everyone, but now I've got that experience. I've done it. I know what it's like. Like I'm going in the bubble tomorrow. I know what that, I know the process. I know how that goes. I know what to do with my time a bit more and things like that. So it just, it's just cleared away a lot of kind of the guessing that always does play in your mind a little bit and leave you wondering about certain aspects that, it's all cleared up mostly now. So it's almost, it just feels like business as usual. This is the new normal for now and, and you crack on. Now this card was initially going to be headlined by Dillian White against Povetkin, the rematch. I'm sure you weren't overly delighted that that was um, postponed um, because you're close with Dillian. But is there a mm. positive slant to that in that the undercard fighters have now all been elevated and there'll be more attention given to those fights? Yeah, of course. As as a part of deal, like I'm, I'm hurt that he wasn't able to get the fight off when he wanted, and it's been delayed, and he has to extend his camp, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But from a selfish point of view, it it clearly benefits me a lot more to because he's such a massive name, and the rematch itself was such a massive draw of attention, and everyone wanted to speak, obviously, speak to them, and and all of that. That now that that's out of the way, it's it's between me and the likes of Ben and, and Alan Babich and Little and stuff where we're all, obviously not Ben, he's a little bit higher than all of us, but other than that, we're all kind of on similar levels. So we get a fair crack at the whip, which is good. I suppose in that sense, Dave Allen retiring while a shock and a lot of people will miss him being around the, the British scene. That's given even more attention to you guys as well, because he's a, a well-known name and he's now off the card. Yeah, again, it, it just creates more space and, and more focus to us and the fighters that are actually there and, and actually fighting on the night and stuff. Like, the whole Dave thing as well is would have drawn a lot of attention. I think there's there's even talk of him being there in the bubble or something like that just to be around or something. But I don't know if he does or if he doesn't. But, but yeah, it, it's more beneficial for us of all that we get some more exposure and able to build ourselves and and just kind of get to show ourselves off to that that new audience. 
And talking of Dave, a fight between you guys has been mentioned a few times in the past. What, what did you make of his decision to call it a day? I think it was the right move for him. I think it was the right move for him. I think um, I think us as a as a boxing community kind of I wouldn't say we was expecting it because I don't think we was, but I I at least think we kind of thought it should have happened, even when it if it did, or even probably a bit sooner to think that. Like, you should probably, because you begin to see a, a slight decline in, in Dave and kind of just in his fights and his attitude towards boxing a bit and just on that general scale that you can kind of see that if you compare him to that kind of, that guy he was maybe two, three years ago, he's not the same kind of Dave back then. So you can see it kind of starting to unfold. And I think, like I say, it's it's the best choice for him in his career and ultimately his health as well. So it's happy retirement to him. And of course, after he made that call, he released a video on social media of some moments in his sparring with Alexander Usyk, um, where he didn't come off particularly well. But Usyk, of course, did a big gentleman, didn't take advantage mm. of um, any vulnerability in Dave during that spar. You've been sparring with Usyk for a, a number of times now. Have you always found him to be just that sort of gentleman, a real classy guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have. I was, it was no surprise to me. Like, I saw the vid and it was no surprise to me whatsoever. To see, to see that, see how he acted when he had Dave hurt and for him not to kind of pounce on him and, and want to do any more damage. Like, I've I've seen him do that with other sparring partners and I've I've seen him, like, when me and him have gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with each other right until the bell, as soon as the bell goes, we stop, we give each other a hug and, like, a little a little head nod to each other to say, like, yeah, good kind of thing. And I, I know he's that type of guy, so I knew I knew he'd act like that and it's, it's credit to him. As you've kind of gone up, through the ranks, you're getting close to British title contention now. Do you still get as many calls for sparring as you did when you were coming up? Or are people now seeing you more as a potential rival than a sparring partner? Um, I, I tell you how it works, is that I don't, I do get as many calls, but now when I call, my calls get declined or my requests in terms of sparring get declined more so. Um, also because I'm obviously asking the lower level people if they want to come spar me etc and they may see me as a possible threat or for one reason or another where we're sparring and stuff I'm quite open I'm near one spot unless, unless I'm fighting you next like I'll probably spar you I haven't really got a problem with it too much and that's the only place that I'm kind of finding difficulty still because I always spar quite a high level than, than fringe level of people that I'd be sparring with. So I'm always, that's always fine for me. That, that, them calls are always there, to be honest, which I'm really fortunate for. Just the area I've noticed a lot of kind of difficulty with is then when I put the calls out and say, does so-and-so want to come and spar and stuff? And I'm, ex not excuses, but just reasons to why and why not. Do you find it difficult sparring some of the, without being disrespectful, lower level guys after being in with people like Usyk? Or, or can you take something from every spar? No, it's all beneficial. It's all beneficial. Even if <laughs> even if it's nice to get in with like a high level opponent who will, will punch you around for a bit, but then you get in with a lower level opponent where you can punch them around for a bit. Even if it's, it's just nice to feel that other side of it kind of thing, of that, it, it, as great experience as it is sparring with them high, high-level people, when you're getting your head punched in every week to every week and you can only get little bits out of the spar where, where you're only having them little moments of you doing well as opposed to them when you're in someone who's closer to your level, a little bit higher than you, whatever, where you can then control the spar, it, it's good for you because then it, at least you get to work on some other things. 
there's different sides to it. So it's all beneficial. As you go up through the levels in the sport, there's more kind of business responsibilities as well as the actual boxing. Are you still enjoying it as much as you did at the start? Yeah. Yeah, massively. Even even more so now, I think. Even more as it's growing and building and and the recognition for stuff is coming. Like it's nice to to finally like I felt like for a long period of time, which was true that I went under the radar that I wasn't I wasn't really in the conversation at all for for any real British level kind of titles or whatever it was, and which is fair crack because obviously I wasn't at that level, but I'd always been sparring or in the gyms or in around these people. So I knew in myself that I was and I was there. But it's just nice that now my name is in the conversations. I'm mentioned with the Daniels, the Nathan Gormans, the so was Dave Allens, etc. So it's it's nice to now feel like you're getting that recognition of kind of the years and years of hard work that I have put in. What's been the, the change there? What's been the, the key that's got you more recognition in the last year or two? I think it's a, a massive part of it was down to fight camp. I think that fight for me was a massive, massive turning point because because of everything it was really. It was it was against a good level of opponent, someone who'd been highly touted in the past to be a high level kind of ABA boxer. That was the always that was always the dark cloud over my head. It was that I never did ABA and I came from white collar, etc. etc. And that was always the the reservations with people and me that, oh, well, he, surely you can't go that far because he hasn't had any ABA schooling, etc. So for me to then fight a high-level ABA opponent, beat him in the fashion that I did, win the English title, and then obviously go, go on and, and now try and fight someone like Richard Larty, I think it's now showing that I'm a genuine contender and I'm, I'm really out there to kind of be put into those conversations with other people. Do you think the fact that you have gone that, I was going to say unorthodox route, but there's a lot more people coming from the white collar scene now. So it's maybe even more common as it as it comes. But do you think that makes you more relatable to, to the average person on the street that you haven't had that kind of GB amateur background? I think so, yeah. And if anything, I, I want it to be that because I want, I want boxing to feel open to everyone because it is because when I worked, when I walked into my gym everyone welcomed me with open arms and yeah it was a white collar gym but I'd never boxed a day in my life and no one turned their nose up at me and everyone everyone welcomed me in and wanted to show me this and wanted to teach me that and I want me and me coming from white collar to be able to kind of be evidence to the fact that it doesn't matter what kind of where what background you have or where you come from or what you do as long as you are willing to give yourself to the sport the sport can be for you and something I wanted to ask, I think I've asked you this before, but you've been with your trainer for a long time. How often, or maybe it doesn't happen at all, do you get people, and I don't want you to name them, but do you get people whispering in your ear saying, if you want to get to the highest level, you know, you need to be with this guy or that guy? <laughs> um, I've had a few whispers of things like that. Yeah, they come, but they're just like boxing's boxing someone's always got something to say about something someone's always got an opinion on something and you could walk into one gym and they'll tell you how to box and you can walk into a different gym and they'll tell you how to box completely differently like I take nothing off it it is what it is but and almost it's, it's a compliment to them people to say that they think I can reach that level if I had so and so coach or, or this and that so I, I, I take it for what it is it's a it's a nice compliment I have but right now I'm happy with everything that I have my team and stuff is perfect I'm, I'm comfortable with everything and if ever there's a point where we are 
we do reach a high, high level. And we feel like maybe we do need some, like a, a second voice in the corner or some extra help or something. Me and my team aren't arrogant to think that we're above that and we we have to do it on our own. Like we're all humble in the fact that we'll have a conversation and think, you know what, actually, we it'd be good to have someone that's competed at world level or it'd be good to have someone that's done this or done that. Just not for them to take over the show and run it themselves, but for them to at least us have them there for when we have them questions and things like that. It seems like as it stands, you're kind of growing together. Yeah, yeah, that's the whole thing. And that's exactly how I want my team to be as well. I want it to be, these are the people that I started with. And I don't want, just because now I'm doing well, to leave them behind. Because that's that's not me as a person. I can't, there's no way I'll be to sleep sleep happy at night if if I suddenly wake up tomorrow, drop my drop my coach and move on to so-and-so because now I'm at a, I'm at a higher level and I'm more recognised. Like I'd, I'd never be able to live with myself if I did that. That's not in me. That's not how I am. I feel like as much as I've grown in boxing, there's no reason to say why my coach can't grow or my strength team can't grow or anything like that behind me can't grow as well. We can all learn. If I can learn, then they can learn too. So I have no, I have no like worries about that whatsoever. If all goes well against Richard Larty on Saturday, what do you see as kind of a natural next step in the journey for you? Um, just, I think we need to keep pushing it. Obviously, the kind of next step was going to be the British title with Dave. That was what we was going to look at. Obviously, with him retiring, it kind of skews the plans a little bit, but that's still an option. The title of itself may still be an option. If not, like, there's no, again, there's no particular rush. Me stepping up to the level of someone like Larty, there's no problem with me having another two or three fights at that kind of Larty level. Like, no one would grumble at that. I don't even need to step up and do it right now, but I am. So if I just want to kind of next year get three or four of those kind of high, high, decent level fights out, good competitive fights done, just to get my experience, get my done and buy some time, then I'm, I'm more than welcome to. But we'll take it for what it comes. We'll see kind of how, how next year goes. At the moment, it's just so... It's so unpredictable to kind of plan anything or, or set any kind of route that you just kind of have to take it month by month and see where you end up. So that's the plan, really. Get through light, move forward, maybe try and reschedule something like Lucas Brown, something like that. Still push it a decent level and, and just keep cracking through and getting my name up there. Now that um, British title will be disputed a week after your fight, of course, between Daniel Dubois and Joe Joyce. It'd be remiss of me um, with this chance to speak to you to not ask for a prediction of how you feel it's going to go down. Hmm. It's um, a borderline unfair as well because I've um, <laughs> I've obviously sparred them both, and I've yeah. most recently through this camp I've been with um, I've been with Joyce helping him get ready for Daniel and stuff. So it's it's a hard one to me. I think it's a it's a fight of two halves really. I think if if Daniel can get to Joyce like, and really get to him in the first half of the fight, then it's, it's more in his favour, but I think the longer the fight goes on, it more just kind of pulls into to Joyce and his engine that he's gone those longer rounds. He's done that before. And like I say, he is he is known for just being a machine and, and pumping forward. So I think that's that's the way it will go, really. That's my prediction. It's a game of two halves. If it goes in the first half, then I'd give it to Daniel. If it, if it gets into the second half, then I'm giving it to Joe. I'm not going to push you <laughs> to get off the fence on that one. I'm going to let, I'm going to let that one lie because I know what a difficult position you're in. Um, but yeah, I think most people would agree with your assessment. Um, really appreciate your time. Um, I'm really looking forward to the fight on Saturday as well. 
Um, you know, last year against Gorman didn't quite deliver thrills and spills, but hopefully this one will be more entertaining. And certainly his fight with Dubois was, and, and you're usually an entertaining fight. So hopefully styles will mesh. Thank you. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I am. It's going to be a good night. I'm, I'm really f- looking forward to getting back out there again. Great stuff. All right. Well, yeah, really appreciate it. And um, I'll look forward to watching you Saturday night and see you soon. Cheers, Danny. Thank you, mate. Cheers, mate. Take care. So I just wanted to talk today about the pro- proposed fight between Callum Smith and Canelo Alvarez. Now, this is talking about taking place on December the 18th or 19th. There's a little bit of confusion over whether it's going to be 18th or 19th. Canelo's definitely going to fight on that date, but um, they're fighting at the AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, which is the home of the Dallas Cowboys. They've got a host of 49ers on the 20th. So they're just talking about whether they can take the stadium down and put it, turn it back into a football field in time. So December 18th or 19th, for Canelo's next outing. Now, we thought it was likely to be Caleb Plant that was going to take this date, but now it looks like Liam Smith is the front runner. So really exciting. Eddie Hearn's got on top of that. But uh, to see, to say how we got here, obviously Canelo has been sidelined for quite some time um, when he had that big, he's had that big legal spat with DeZone and Golden Boy. Now, that came about because DeZone signed that massive deal with Canelo where they were paying 40 million a fight to Golden Boy. And then Canelo started picking opponents, which the zone weren't happy with. It turned out that uh, Golden Boy and the zone had had some conversations that uh, Canelo wasn't privy to, and it all fell apart in a flurry of lawsuits issued by Canelo. Now, on November the 6th, they settled out of court. We're not privy to exactly what happened, but the interesting fallout from that is the main thing is Canelo is now a free agent. So he's no longer contracted to Zone, no longer contracted to Golden Boy. So he's able to go out there and negotiate his own purses, deal with the promoters that he wants or promote himself. So interestingly enough with this fight, it seems that he's going to go back with the Zone because Eddie Hearn has come up with Callum Smith, who is a favoured opponent uh, for DeZone. And, you know, Hearn has uh, fingers in a lot of pies. He also represents Golovkin and is very in deep with DeZone. So maybe he could deliver DeZone the fight that they really want, which is the, the trilogy fight uh, with, with Canelo and Golovkin. But anyway, for this fight, it looks like Eddie Hearn has gone in and said DeZone, right, I will deliver you that, that, that fight with Callum Smith. Now, that means, in a way as well, reading between the lines, that Canelo does not have a problem with DeZone. Even though he issued the lawsuits against them, Golden Boy are gone. So he is no longer represented by Golden Boy. So it seems like the problem maybe was really between Canelo and Golden Boy. And DeZone kind of got a bit involved in that fallout. Um, Interestingly enough, as a slight aside, Golden Boy have lost their their, their sort of main draw fighter now, although they still have some great fighters. But uh, De La Hoya himself, the original Golden Boy, is still intent on coming back. And now talking about fighting Marcos Medina. You know, De La Hoya not having fought since that uh, bit, that um, very one-sided loss to Pacquiao in 2008. Um, and Medina not having fought since his second fight with Floyd Mayweather. And it seems like he went back to Argentina with his millions and blew up in weight to about three times the size. But apparently he's back in training. 
Delahoy is very serious about this comeback, so we shall see what happens. So it could be that Golden Boy are back with Golden Boy as the original draw. But anyway, moving on to Canelo, who has now moved on. Uh, looks like you know he's definitely fighting on that date in that arena, and Callum Smith has moved to the four as the opponent. Now, there's a little bit of history um, between Smith and Canelo in the sense that Callum was mooted as uh, an opponent for Canelo the last time before all these lawsuits came and it all fell apart. And now he's back in the frame. As I said before, it looked like Caleb Plant was going to be the number one, going to be the guy in the opposite corner, the IBF super middleweight champion. But now it looks like it's going to be um, going to be Callum Smith. But we, you know, we've got to see that come out. But previously, his brother has faced Canelo at this same arena. The only time Canelo was fought at this arena was um, in 2016 against Liam Smith, and it was a ninth round stoppage. So there's a little bit of history there, and maybe you know he wants to get revenge for that uh, that stoppage of his brother. Interestingly enough, another little bit of trivia on this fight. Canelo has three brothers who are professional fighters, so a strong fighting family. Smith has four brothers who are professional fighters, so another strong fighting family. So those guys are presumably going to be ringside. It's going to be a limited crowd, I'm told, at the at and on December the 19th. Um, but there will be a crowd of sorts. So I'm sure those guys will all be there. So, you know, it's going to be an exciting fight. Again, I think this is, this is Eddie Hearn moving in. And, you know, this is going to be a fight-by-fight -fight deal for Canelo, but... You know, very interestingly, Hearn, you know, can, can deliver a lot with the zone, with Golovkin and bring a lot to Canelo. So we're going to see how this breaks down. But at the moment, we're waiting for the contract to be finally signed. But it's very much looking like Callum Smith will be in the opposite corner to Canelo on December the 19th at the AT&T Arena in Arlington, Texas. So let's break this fight down a bit. Now we know how we got here. How is it actually going to play out? Well, interestingly enough, they're both 30 years of age. Um, you always forget that with uh, with Canelo because he's been around for so long. You just feel like, you know, he's been there forever. And you think that Smith would be the young guy coming through. But no, in fact, you know, they're both 30 years old. Um, their respective records, I mean, Callum Smith, one of the reasons he's being targeted is he's the WBA um, super champion. And uh, he's 27-0 with 19 stoppages. Um, Canelo is 53-1, uh, that one loss coming to Floyd Mayweather with, with two draws and um, with 36 stoppages. So, obviously, the main draw in the sport. Now, one of the interesting things when you look at this fight is they both fought in November. Um, you know, uh, Canelo looked very good stopping Kovalev up at light heavy, and Smith didn't look so great. After a run of great fights and really establishing himself as the number one at super middle, he kind of struggled against John Ryder when everybody thought that was going to be a kind of gimme fight for, for Callum Smith and that he'd moved up levels. Um, you know, over John Ryder. But, you know, he struggled a little bit in that fight. But Styles made fights. You know, Ryder was a southpaw and, you know, and, and, and boxed tactically very well, keeping it very close to Smith. Um, but in this fight, you know, coming up against Canelo, the interesting thing is the height disparity. Canelo is five foot eight. Callum Smith is six foot four. So that's the first thing. Very long levers. But for a very long levered guy, you know, he does work very well inside and he does work very well to the body. But you would have thought the first thing he's going to try and do is, is get out there behind that jab and move and use his boxing and keep those long levers to keep Canelo off. But obviously Canelo is used to that. Now, Tony Belly has had a bit of input on this fight as well. Um, as soon as it was moving, obviously very good friends with Callum Smith. Belly actually said that he thinks that Smith will stop Canelo. So that's going out a bit on a limb because um, obviously, you know, um, Smith is going to be a, a strong underdog in this fight. But... Uh, Bellew said that, no, the thing is, Canelo is very strong in there. He's never been pushed around. But Smith is so big at the weight, he's so physically strong, that he will be able to get there in there and bully Canelo, which will be a whole different kettle of fish for Canelo. But looking at how the fight breaks down again, you know, you would expect Smith to try and stay behind the long jab. But eventually, Canelo will get inside. 
there is no way to keep a fighter of that quality uh, away from you with that long jab and a long straight right hand. So eventually it will come at close quarters. Now, interestingly enough as well, for a tall, rangy guy, um, Smith is known as a body puncher, as obviously is Canelo with that Mexican heritage and, and the style of fighting that he comes with. So it's going to get inside fighting at some point, and they're both going to be looking to hit the body. Canelo because he's got a much longer, taller opponent, and Smith because he's going to need to try and take some gas out of Canelo, you know, going down the straight, because I think he's going to have to plan what he will plan for going the full 12 rounds. So, you know, how this fight breaks down, it's going to be, I think, Smith early, early doors is probably going to nick some rounds while Canelo works him out. Then it's going to come inside, and that's where the real fight's going to take place inside to see if Smith can withstand the pressure of Canelo against his body, and if he can give some back and maybe take the wind a bit out of Canelo's sails. Now, you've got to say that Callum Smith is going into this as the underdog, but one interesting thing, one point I wanted to make about this, Peter, is Canelo always picks his opponents. Canelo picks dates. He says, this is what I'm going to fight, and it's a huge event, every one of his fights. And then he selects an opponent to fight him, generally a few weeks before that date is going to take place. And so those guys, maybe you could say are a little bit underprepared. Canelo calls the shots because he's the top dog. But in this fight, Canelo didn't know he was fighting on December the 19th or didn't have it confirmed. I'm sure he had, had that date mooted until November the 6th when he sat down in a room with the zone and Golden Boy and thrashed out all this legal stuff and became a free agent. So, you know, in a way, he's not been in that zone saying that's my definite date. I'm going to trade because I'm definitely fighting. And I'm sure Callum Smith was told by Eddie Hearn, who knows everything that's going on in boxing, um, you know, get yourself ready because you could be in the other corner. So I don't think this is a case of, of, of Canelo coming in against a slightly underprepared opponent. You know, they, 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 both of them fought last in November. Both of them were hoping for this date, but didn't know it was going to come to pass. Now it's been confirmed. They kind of both got the same amount of notice. Now, to be honest with you, I see this as a Canelo late stoppage because I think that pressure is going to be too intense. Or I see it, the other one, as I, I see Canelo winning on points. But Bellew is saying that he thinks Callum Smith can go for the knockout and get the knockout, you know, and that's a man who knows his boxing intimately. So it's going to be really exciting. It's, I'm really excited about this. It's a great way to round out the year for British boxing fans because let's not forget, we've got, uh, you know, unfortunately, Fury it looks like the December 5th date has fallen through, but the December 12th, we've got Joshua Pulev. December 19th, it looks like we've got Callum Smith against Canelo. So what a brilliant way to close out the year. I know everybody's putting the Christmas trees up early and I don't blame, I'm almost wishing the year away, but what a great way to close it out. And what an exciting 2021 to come into because there's going to be a lot of um, stuff you know, blocked up in the system with fighters wanting to get out. So when, once we can properly get out and the shows can really start in earnest again, I think we're going to get some great fights coming up. And let's not forget, you know, when Joshua gets past Pulev, as I hope he will and think he will, then we're looking at Fury Joshua early in the year. And the other thing we've got coming up as well, Peter, is, is Rumble Live 2 coming up on February the 13th in 89 days. So put the Christmas trees up, sit back and watch some great British fighters and some great British fights and get excited for 2021 because loads is coming up and it's going to be fantastic. So, yeah, this is a great way to close out the year and I'm really excited about it.